Wide Owl Nation, you are now listening to the Owl Chat Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Kennesaw State Athletics, with your hosts, Kai Millette and John Finer. Welcome to the Owl Chat Podcast, Indiana Postgame Edition. The Owls dropped the contest 100-87 in Assembly Hall in Bloomington, Indiana. I'm joined by KSU's rebound king, Aaron Anderson, who we could use on the court right now for more reasons than one. Also joined by producer Nick Massaroni and our social media wizard, Tim Desmond. Uh, before we get started, boys, um, I know you've all seen the Pop-Tart Bowl with the anthropomorphic edible Pop-Tart, and I think you guys might know where I'm going with this one. But I'd just like to say, uh, drop an owl fact here before we get going. I Googled, can you eat an owl? And Google says, in the United States, it is illegal to even be in the possession of an owl feather, much less eating an owl. It doesn't matter if you found it dead. You will still receive a citation and fine should a wildlife official find you in possession of an owl or a feather. So I wanted to nip that in the bud before we got any questions about that on the midweek and go into it. And fellas, with that being said, how's everyone doing? Start with you, Tim. I'm down bad right now. Um, I had Kennesaw plus 12 and a half and we lost by 13. So um, if you see me on the streets in Atlanta, homeless, that's the reason why. So you heard the um, man, homeless Tim is on the streets. Uh, What about you, Aaron? How are you doing? Well, I didn't I didn't bet the game, so I think I'm doing a little better than Tim at this point. But uh, but I'm excited to talk about this one. So doing all right. Yeah. At producer Nick, uh, what about you? I'm I'm somewhere sitting in the middle. I did bet the game, uh, but I don't know uh, if I'll be on the streets yet. But depending on uh, how the rest of the season goes, we could get there eventually. We'll see. <laughs> betting, betting on mid-major college basketball, the downfall of society. You've heard it here first. Um, but before I go into the game summary, I'd like to, uh, all, you know, go around the room for more of our, you know, initial thoughts on the game. I will say that Kai actually made the drive, I think, with family to Indiana. Uh, he told me he was sitting in the nosebleed. So maybe he got, you know, his media pass upgraded for the post game and got talk to somebody i don't know but uh, kai made the trip he's not on here today because i think he's driving back uh but as far as the game goes um you know just what were your initial thoughts i uh, will start with aaron my initial thoughts were that they aren't better basketball players than the guys we have like we we play those guys 10 times we're gonna get some wins for sure it, some things didn't go our way uh some some hot shooting from indiana throughout but we we have some players and we could keep up with those guys it was just a matter of you know we didn't get we didn't have timely timely possession so um i was happy to see the guys compete out there yeah uh what about you nick what was your initial take you know it was an impressive night shooting um we played decent defense i just think that there were missed opportunities uh down the the line that really uh really killed us and obviously uh, losing Damon for the entire second half was a bigger blow but uh I wasn't I didn't walk away from this game upset if that makes any sense yeah that does make complete sense and uh, what about you Mr bet the spread uh Tim <laughs> look I'm ready for conference play I'm ready to get this thing going and get back to the tourney I think this game was definitely eye-opening but hey look it's the big Ten opponent like 
Yeah, what I mean, are you going to do? Yeah. Exactly. So um, I just want to do a quick summary of the game. Uh, so before we start, Indiana big man and possibly their best player, Khalil Ware, was a surprise scratch with an illness a few hours before the game. Uh, Indiana's starting point guard, uh, Xavier Johnson, was out yet again with a foot injury. He hasn't played since, I think, late November. Um, and also, thank you, Mark Wasik from KSUOwls.com. Shout out to him for making my job easier because I'm about to summarize the game. And I literally copied and pasted this from KSUOwls.com because, yeah, why not? Work smarter, not harder. Right, fellas? Um, so, the first half, Indiana raced out to an 18-8 edge, mostly thanks to a surprise three trays from Mackenzie Mbako, who came into the game shooting 22.7% from three-point range. The Owls didn't back down, staying close to the Hoosiers thanks to hitting from deep themselves. After Indiana made the lead 44-34 with 349 to play until halftime, the Owls went on a 10-2 spurt, closing within 46-44 on a Terrell Burden layup before going into halftime down 50-46. Um, in the second half, uh, the turning point, the Owls trailed by six, trailed 62 to 58, four minutes into the half, when a Ranji Gordon layup started a 10-2 spurt for KSU. After Cottle tied the game with a pair of free throws, Indiana scored on the other end to go back up to Cottle and Burden then drained back-to-back trays to give KSU its largest lead of the game, 68-64, with 13-16 to play. Indiana responded by going on a game-changing 21-3 run over the next seven minutes to take control of the contest. Terrell Burden led the Owls with uh, 20 points, nine assists, and three steals. Jason Holt had 19 points, nine rebounds, three assists, and two steals. Simeon Cottle had uh, 21.6 assists. The Owls shot 45% from the field, 48.6 from three, a whopping 48.6% with uh, 17 triples. Unfortunately, Indiana shot 61% overall. Indiana out-rebounded KSU 43-28, which is plus 15 for Indiana, and Asheville was plus 19 against us in the game before. Uh, but Demond Robinson went down in the first half with a foot injury, uh, which we will discuss. Uh, well, lower left body injury could be foot, ankle, Achilles. We don't know. Um, but yeah, that's the summary. I'm starting off the discussion topics. The Owls went into Assembly Hall. And it was a very good crowd for the holidays. 16,689 was the attendance, and that was 97% full. Um, so, you know, obviously Terrell Burden, um, you know, brings the views, sells tickets, sells the merch. We know that. Uh, so great job, TB, filling up the arena. That's what they're there to see. Um, good experience for the guys to play in a big environment. Uh, played in the tourney last year, so some of the guys, Adam McCoy, Cotto, Burden, Robinson, et cetera, et cetera, have a lot of this type of experience already, and a lot of our transfers, like Holt playing at Alabama, UGA, and Jamel King at West Virginia, they know this type of environment, but it's still good experience, a good measuring stick. Um, you know, Frank Juan Sherman and RJ Johnson, freshman, you know, get to see this kind of environment maybe the first time since Florida State, probably even a much better environment, I would guess. Um, you know, going around the room, uh, we'll start with uh, Tim here. You know, what was your take on the environment and, you know, what it's going to mean for the Owls going forward and so forth? I thought it was awesome. I mean, making the tournament, I think Indiana fans knew who we were. They've done their research on us and they knew this was going to be an exciting game. So having 16,000 people come out for a Kennesaw State basketball game, hey, that's that's awesome exposure for the school program and also recruiting. Yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, producer Nick, go to you next. Um, you know, what does playing in a, you know, just a legendary arena like assembly hall mean to you? 
it's definitely fun to watch. Um, the paying the ten dollars to watch it, not so much, but definitely fun to watch regardless. Um, uh, I think it's it's cool. Like Tim said, Indiana knows who we are now because they were chanting our names from the rafters last year when they were a bubble team trying to make it into the tournament. Like, hey, look, they were on our resume and they're in the tournament. So I think it's only helping improve our brand. Uh, and I, I hopefully we continue to schedule uh, games against bigger, noteworthy uh, opponents because this is this is good for our program, win or loss. It's good exposure. Yeah, and before we go to Aaron, I just want to say if you paid ten dollars, you got ripped off. I paid nine ninety five. So uh, yeah, suck it. Um, but uh, let's go to Aaron here on this one. Um, you know what? What is you know as somebody who's actually played in these environments? And I think you. No, I don't think you played in Assembly Hall, correct, Aaron? I think that was a year after you left, perhaps. I think uh, we played there. But what does it mean playing in environments like this? Yeah, no, I never never got to play in Assembly Hall. But I can tell you that whenever the schedule comes out for, for mid-majors like Kennesaw State, we, we're definitely looking at these high majors that we're playing. And, and lucky for me, when we were playing, we played probably three or four a year. I mean, none as, as prestigious as Indiana. Um, but whenever you play these high majors, especially teams that are, you know, noteworthy in, in the history, you could see the national championship banners above the, above the goal there on the baseline, like, like it doesn't get much better. And then to see, not only are you playing in these amazing, you know, amazing teams, amazing, you know, universities, like there's going to be 16,000 plus at the game that go watch us play. And exactly to Nick's point, like around the country, we, we are gaining some notoriety and we're gaining some respect from teams and, and fans. Like this is basketball country, the heart of it in Indiana. And the fact that they're getting 16,000 fans to go out and watch us play and a game that we had them on the ropes in the late in the second half, like that is great for the guys, not only just for that experience, but moving forward into the, the conference tournament. Dogwood Golf Club is a truly unique hybrid golf club conveniently located near Smyrna, Vinings, and Marietta. The course is hybrid because they offer membership and daily fee play. Their championship course is challenging for all levels of golfers and is frequently used for practice by some golf teams from a local university. Dogwood is a longtime supporter of all things Kennesaw. Be sure to visit their website at dogwoodgolfclub.com. Dogwood Golf Club, an official sponsor of the Owl Chat Podcast. And a side question to you, Aaron. What is your opinion? Best high major environment that you've played in? Oh, best high major. We played in Wisconsin. Wisconsin was great. Uh, Tennessee, uh, Pittsburgh, Notre Dame. Uh, I don't think they were high major at the time, but we played at Creighton. Um, and Creighton was, for some reason, whatever reason, they, like, their fans, again, great basketball fans. That was a great great environment to play in at the time it was i think we it, we broke the record for the biggest uh crowd uh, attendance wise that kennesaw state has ever played in since then it's been shattered three or four times but that was uh that was eye-opening for me as uh as a, i think i was a junior that year going out there to play them in, in nebraska is is there anything that stands out to you about those games such as as you mentioned the crowd or perhaps oh man this arena is so nice or you know just anything about those environments that stands out to you it, just the fans mainly like the fans care um you know when you're playing with some, some real basketball fans and they like they're gonna cheer they're gonna get loud even watching the, the game through the broadcast uh the indiana game like you could hear when when we took that four-point lead like the fans kind of kind of with were a little withdrawn 
And then they came back on a little bit of a run and the fans just went crazy. I can only imagine how I would love to hear from Kai to, to see how it was in the, in the assembly hall, but um, just the fans, like they are great fans and they get there, you know, not, not at tip off, but they're there 20, 30 minutes before the game. Um, I mean, that's, that's when, you know, as a player, you're, you're ready to play and you get the, the juices going a little bit more. Yeah. And speaking of their fans, you know, you know, classy on their part, you know, Demond Robinson went down and got a bit of a, you know, applause uh, getting up. So respectful move from the Indiana fans there when he got up and walked off. Um, you know, again, we'll go into that in a little bit. I do want to talk about Indiana's hot start um, because, you know, something similar happened at uh, Asheville. Uh, you know, it just, they they just wouldn't miss. Uh, Mbako, who's like a 22.7% three-point shooter with 10 threes all year, hits four in like what, the first five, four, I don't even know, minutes of the game. And it was just that feeling again, like, Oh my God, you know, Khalil wears out Xavier Johnson's out, but can we catch a break? You know, can we get one of these teams on one of their down nights when they're just, you know, not coming to play, but, you know, and that's kind of, I think part of, you know, as you mentioned earlier, Kennesaw state becoming a name brand, you know, the better you are, the less likely it is a team's going to, you know, kind of take off for the holidays and overlook you. Um, you know, if we were as bad as we were, you know, a couple of years ago, then yeah, you know what, maybe Indiana, you know, doesn't come out, you know, red hot, doesn't come out with that much fire, but again, we wouldn't have enough firepower to even win. And it's a moot point. So, um, but yeah, Indiana started hot. I thought, uh, Kennesaw state did an excellent job of, you know, hitting enough shots just to kind of keep it within 10 or so, and then slowly clawing back to make it a four point game at halftime. Um, you know, I, our guys need to play a little bit better defense, especially to start off the game, but we didn't quit. And, um, you know, I am uh, proud of the effort and all of that. Uh, go to Aaron first, you know, just kind of what's your take on, you know, just the first half in general, the hot start, anything that you want to talk about? Yeah. So I think that the hot start was like, yeah, we're playing good defense out there, but there was a few times and we just didn't execute with what looked like the game plan. Right. So, I think the first possession of the game for Indiana, we we doubled in the post, but it really he really wasn't in the post. It was more of a gray area um, in the mid post, and and Demon runs over, and then I think was it forgot exactly who it was. One of our wings had to drop down and help, which led to a wide open corner three, um, and and that kind of started off the, the the hot shooting for Indiana. And then later in the game, um, when Mbako already had three or two under his belt. We have Quincy, and this may have been part of the game plan as well. Quincy was was um, helping strong side. So he was the first pass out of the post, and he's helping off the wing to kind of double down. And the easiest pass for a post player is right in front of you. That player is, you know, that Mbako's already made two, maybe three threes at this point, and having a wide open three with Quincy doubling in the post, um, like some stuff like that. And that may have been part of the game plan. It may have been just a mental lapse, realizing like, hey, this guy's already made two or three threes. Um, so little stuff like that, just a lack of execution that that cost us two or three points here and there throughout the game. Um, but overall, like you said it well, like we were always within 10 to 12 points in the first half, and it never fell out of reach. Like we could play with these guys and uh, just got to fix these little mental errors. Yeah, and, you know, I, I would love to see – you know, a, a mulligan, you know, in a crazy universe where we come out playing like this against Asheville and seeing what happens at Asheville. Um, you know, I don't know, you know, with them, when we got into the situation, we just let it get out of control. There was no fight back and it was too late before we did the fight back. So, um, you know, I think 
starting quick is going to be something that we'll probably focus on. And I think we need to keep an eye on against Queens as well. I want to get the jump on them. Um, you know, don't let them get any confidence uh, for the next game once conference starts. Um, you know, going into the next subject, it kind of bleeds into this. Um, Jason Holt, the uh, the two-time transfer, um, you know, he just became eligible a couple of weeks ago, played in, uh, played against Asheville, now played against uh, Indiana, had 19 points in limited minutes because of foul trouble, um, excellent three-point shooting, an overall positive effect on the game offensively, um, and, you know, plays some pretty good defense, still, you know, has some you know, ways to go there to be, you know, to be great, but he's, uh, you know, has definitely the intangibles to, uh, you know, shut some folks down, especially in conference. Um, I was personally very impressed with him. Um, you know, the three point shooting, I, I'm pleasant. I don't want to say I'm surprised because I tweeted out, you know, once Holt became eligible, I was like, you know, a good D good athleticism. I think he's a better three point shooter than people realize, or than he, was at Alabama and Georgia. And I think we're seeing that now. So I think it's just, you know, as I mentioned, I think in past podcasts, it's just a matter of him being comfortable, gaining some experience and all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, we, I'm seeing a, you know, it might be too early to speak, but I'm seeing, you know, somebody that we can pencil in as a starter uh, next year and should probably hopefully be starting here uh, sooner than later in conference play. I'll go to Aaron first. Um, what do you think about Jason Holt? Well, I'll start off by giving you some credit. Even off air, you were you were always high on Jason Holt and uh, and really excited to have him come and and be able to be cleared by the NCAA and be able to play. Um, and he's he's proven himself the f- first few games. Um, look, he's not always going to start or go seventy percent from three. Um, you know, nine rebounds in in twenty four minutes. Again, that's a great clip as well. But even outside of his shooting. Like if he can, if he can figure out a way to go 35% all season, he does so much for the team out there. And he's such a, a good team player. Like he doesn't take away from anybody on the court when he's out there. He is very much go with the flow. He's he's not going to force anything. He's going to take his open shots. If he's, if he's got a little bit of a rhythm going, he's going to get them up a little more quickly, which is great. Like he watching him out there, you, you can tell why he was, he's played at two high majors. Um, he's, he's a great player. He's a great shooter. What we've seen thus far. Um, and I just love watching him play. Like he's, he fits in our system so well. And from everything I've seen, he just looks like a great teammate to be out there with. Yeah. Um, you don't see those negative plays from Jason Holt, like, you know, throwing it to the other team, that kind of thing. He doesn't, like you said, he doesn't force, you know, his way into the offense or, you know, he doesn't come out trying to prove himself thinking, oh, I'm the best player on the floor or anything like that. And just trying to, you know, get his, so to speak, before the rest of the team, you know, he takes his shots when they're there, you know, he'll be assertive when he has to. And I'm sure that'll only, you know, get better, you know, as he assimilates with his teammates. And I also want to say his mask is off. So, um, you know, maybe that's, you know, his superpower uh, now that, uh, you know, now that he's like Clark Kent. So, uh, you know, we'll see about that. Um, or now that he's Superman from his Clark Kent with the mask. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, Producer Nick, um, what were your thoughts on, you know, Jason Holt? I mean, it was everything that Aaron said, plus uh, his length. His length is an asset on defense. And it it really does show. Um, obviously, you want to see a little more uh, discipline with the fouls. But again, we talked about this on the last episode we needed more discipline earlier in the season. He didn't play those early games. He hasn't found that 
that groove yet on defense. So I'm, I'm still holding off on making it a bigger issue than it is because I don't think that we're going to see him fouling out in a lot of games going down the line. And he was having to crash in a lot more with Demond not being inside the paint too. So I, I, maybe that's some of the explanation there, but his shot is, is I had total confidence when I saw the ball get to his hand in the corner. I felt very good. Basically what I'm trying to say is that I am very excited to see him get his run in conference play because I think that it's really going to show how much of an asset he is to this team when he's playing against people at this mid to low major level. Yeah. And he does definitely does have a hitch in his shot, but you know, if it goes in, who cares? Um, Let's go over to Tim. What are your thoughts on Jason? I thought he looked so yeah, we take stars for granted, you know, grain of salt, but that man looked like a four-star recruit. That man looked like a true top top recruit in the state of Georgia and also in the country. I mean, I won't harp on the physicality, like his length, like Nick was saying. I'm gonna harp on the mental part of the game, like knowing knowing where the ball is gonna go, anticipating the plays and stuff. I mean that dude was either stepping right into the passing lanes, anticipating those passes, and but he had two steals. Um, personally, that's what stood out to me was just his anticipation, his mental side of the game. Yeah, and um, you know, just an impromptu topic here, just the emergence of Holt. Uh, Jamel King has kind of disappeared these last uh, couple games. Um, you know, he was on fire for what three or four games in a row, and then he scored three points at Asheville, didn't score against Indiana. Um, you know, could it be something like, uh, you know, Jamel, you know, does perhaps will do better against mid major athletes where he has that confidence to, uh, you know, go one on one with guys he knows he's more athletic than, longer than that sort of thing? Or do you guys think it's just, hey, you know, he's just, it's just a bad stretch, you know, he'll get, you know, get back on it? Um, we'll go to Aaron for that. I think there's a combination of a few things. I think Jason Holt coming into the lineup, it's it's gonna it it, it changes everything for everybody a little bit. Um, and I think just finding his finding a rhythm and finding his place a little bit more. Um, that that may not be all of it, but I know as a player myself, it, it's it's gonna change some things for sure when you have somebody in a similar role um coming in and take some more minutes. So that's gonna that's gonna take a few games to play out. Um, but I think you also said made a good point, like playing against um, athletes that he is by far head and shoulders uh, more athletic than like when it comes back to playing in, in our conference. Um, that's going to help him out a lot because we he is he is, like I just mentioned, head and shoulders above. And he's a, he's much of a, a feel type player. When I watch him play, like he's he will he gets a feel for the game and he can impact the game when he's in rhythm a lot more than most. Um, and I think if he doesn't start off strong, then he's going to kind of be lost a little bit. And it's not a shot to him uh, by any means. I don't mean it to come off that way, but when, if he starts off hot and he makes a few threes or he gets a few good defensive stops, like that's going to impact the rest of his game tremendously going forward. When he starts off slow, maybe getting into foul trouble, he's going to be a little more hesitant. And I think that's kind of what's happened these past few games where he hasn't just found his groove early on. Yeah. Um, you know, so 
uh, subtopic on this. Do you think Jamel will start pressing or trying too hard because, you know, Holt is taking his minutes or, you know, can we, ex- do you think we can expect Jamel to get, you know, back on track? And this is just, you know, a natural ebb and flow, you know, maybe he's not, you know, like you said, Holt came in and kind of messed up the rhythm, that kind of thing. Do you think he'll get back on track? Yeah, no reason to think he wouldn't get back on track. Uh, he's, he isn't the most experienced in terms of playing and getting a lot of minutes on the floor and, and playing for West Virginia, but he is an experienced college basketball player where he's on, he understands how the game goes. He understands minutes and, and rotations and things of that nature. Like he'll get back to it. Um, I have nothing but faith in, in that. And he's a great player, right? Like not too long ago, we were going off three or four games in a row saying he was the player of the game. So he has the ability. He has the mental makeup. It's just figuring out how to find his rhythm again, which he will. It's just win. Yeah. And and we love Jamel King at the Owl Chat podcast. Um, my my profile photo. Um, so, you know, I think I'm gonna, after each uh, weekend, I guess we'll see if we can choose a consensus player of the week. I think the best way to do it. And I will change my profile photo to that player. So I think that's the way we're going to do it going forward. So, um, you know, not doing it after each game, but doing it after each weekend, perhaps. Um, you know, next topic I want to kind of go into is, you know, the loss of DeMond Robinson. Um, and, you know, we don't know how severe it is, but he went out in the first half with the left ankle, foot, Achilles. I don't know. Um, it looked like uh, he walked off okay. He was, you know, on the bench, back on the bench in the second half after leaving the bench in the first half to get treatment, I assume. Uh, he was going in and out of the huddle, that kind of thing. So I hope it's not too serious. Um, I hope if anything, you know, the worst case is he misses a couple games, something like that. Uh, but even with Robinson, you know, we couldn't stop uh, Renew, uh, who is a 6'9", 230, 235-ish type player. Hell of a player, I might add. But even we went with Gordon at center. We couldn't stop him. Sent double teams. Went right through the double teams. Um, you know, there was a foul differential as well. Um, is it something about those quick players? Because we had trouble also with uh, McMuffin at uh, UNC Asheville, um, who was also a, uh, you know, a 6'8", 230 type guy. Um, you know, are how worried, you know, with or without Robinson, are you guys with the, you know, the, our post uh, defense, uh, Aaron? Um, not that's that's going to be a tough question to answer, just because our team is not built for that, right? Like we understand who we have on the floor. We're not the strongest team in the world. We're not the best defensive team in the world, although we we can hold our own. But just with the the quick, fast, um, lengthy wings that we have like we don't necessarily have guys outside of Damon and ranji that are going to be able to battle down low and when we have when we go against the guys like renew like they they're quick they're fast they're strong they're great shots they're everything you can everything you can imagine in one one player like we it's hard to rely on on our two big guys to defend that at that level and and to be fair it's it's hard to hard to find guys that can defend that throughout the entire country so um, it's not something I'm overly concerned with until maybe tournament time, uh, you know, conference tournament or, you know, NCAA tournament. Um, cause we'll find some other players along those lines that we have to go against, but it's, um, it's, it's going to be difficult to, to change who we are defensively to play those guys. Yeah. And we'll go to producer Nick. Uh, what's your take on this, Nick? 
So the broadcast actually made an interesting point about how the team started playing slightly better when DeMond initially went off the court. And they had chalked it up to the speed was starting to kill the size. And we, I mean, we had five guys out there that were moving up and down the court. Now, me personally, I think that DeMond moves very well with this offense. So I don't know if that was necessarily the only thing, but it kind of brought me into my mindset of thinking for the future years, because we've had this discussion too, of like, what's the team going to look like without DeMond? Well, the team looked okay offensively and that's really our bread and butter is driving that offensive speed and then getting back to the other end of the court and and setting up so i'm not overly concerned if he might have to miss a little bit of time but we need to find better ways to uh to to basically create those those turnovers and those mismatches um going back up the court and that's really i think we can survive a a, a demand absence for a small amount of time but me personally i i love post play so it would just be sad for him to not be on the court in general yeah tim uh, to be honest i'm freaking out i any doctors are listening i'll gladly volunteer my foot or leg for demand robinson so um if y'all doctors are out there hit me up on mike chapowski on twitter and i'll gladly give up my foot or leg for him because. We need I him. think your foot and leg are, are too small, but it is a, a very <laughs> worthy gesture. So we appreciate that. Um, I also want to point out that Armani Harris uh, was not on the bench last night. I'm only going to assume he had a you know flu or something that was going around. Again, I don't know that for a fact, but you know other injured players like Hurd and Whitlock were on the bench. So that's really you know one of the assumptions I can take. Um, and Aaron, uh, you got something else on this? Yeah, I'm I'm glad Nick brought up the 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 announcers for Indiana saying that we were playing a little bit better without Demon. Um I think they did a good job of not like overstating it because yeah, we did. We we went on a little run when we went smaller and with with Ranji down there, but like it's not sustainable. Like it's it's not fair to to Demon or if any other any other guys go out that are major contributors to the team. Like we can go on a run, no doubt, without those guys, but like as it showed later in the game, like we can't sustain going on these runs without impact players like DeMond being out there. And I don't, I don't think the announcers, I think they did a good job of, of kind of throwing a grain of salt out there saying, Hey, they're playing better without him. Yeah, we can. Like we, we shot almost 50% from three. However, like we need this guy to be competitive long-term against the Indiana Hoosiers and against the Atlantic sun uh, conference as well. So um, we, we, Yes, our team had a good showing. We shot nearly 50% from three. Um, Damon himself shot 50% from three, but like to Tim's point, like we need him back out there. And um, I'm really hopeful that it's something just something minor and he's ready to get back out there practicing tomorrow and shoot around whatever it is. Yeah. And, and I do just want to say, John, I'm sorry. I don't want to make it sound like I'm okay with Damon not being on the court because definitely he's, he's our number two biggest asset on the court outside of Terrell, in my opinion. And I think Jusan is starting to make a, a run for number three, but I, I just think there could be a potential where we have to go through some sort of stretch if he's not available. And I don't think we're necessarily going to be out of any game uh, just the way that our offense operates. Absolutely. I agree. 
Yeah, and you know our depth is very thin there. Uh, you know, if Armani Harris is not available versus Queens, then you know our bigs are basically Ranji Gordon and Cole Larue. So you know we're going to need those guys to step up. Uh, but I do want to mention something and then kind of get back to this topic. Um, you know, in the second half, you know, we took the lead 68-64. Then Indiana made some changes after Bird and Cottle hit back-to-back threes. You know, there was a timeout. They went on a huge run and there was no looking back. Uh, so back to this, I just want to say, I got a quote from uh, head coach Mike Woodson. Uh, he's And basically said, I mean, sometimes you have to match up. When I pulled Peyton Sparks, by the way, guys, that's their uh, backup center. I pulled him based on their matchups because they went so small. And in doing that, I know we could switch one through five with Malik Renew at the five. So that was the reason I did what I did. And I thought it helped us a little bit. And then coming down the stretch, it really helped us because we were able to switch and not give up. I mean, they were making threes anyway, but switching allows you to at least keep a body in front of you and hope like hell that they don't make shots over the top. So, you know, I guess we were uh, playing small and they played small to counter that. And, um, you know, they, you know, switched everybody one through five. And that's kind of where it started to turn. They also put in uh, Anthony Leal as well that provided a uh, a spark off the bench. Um, so, yeah. Uh, anybody have anything to add on that quote? I, I think I'll jump in here. I, you could you could see the game and see how they did change their defensive kind of tactics and strategy. Um, kudos to them. Right. Like switching one through five. It's it's not the most like you're not going to go out and coach that you're not going to play an entire season that way. But to win a game, especially a game against a, an undersized Kennesaw State team with not a huge threat with Demon out in the post, um, like that's going to win you games. Like they they were able to switch off and they had no weakness out there even against Terrell. Um, Terrell was able to make a few threes, you know, after we swung it back and forth, which was great. Um, what I wanted to see more of was like let's counter their, their adjustment and let's make an adjustment of our, of our own. Like not to, not to, I mean, I may have missed something here or there, but I feel like our offense in the second half was pretty much start off with a pick and roll, get the switch and then let Terrell be Terrell and and try to make a shot or try to make a play. Um, We didn't really make that many adjustments and, um, but we didn't have options to necessarily go into the post unless we want to have, you know, Ranji taking 15 shots in the second half, which again, he could, he shot 75%, but um, I would like to see something a little bit different that, that we can, you know, make them adjust to or adjust to their adjustments. If that makes sense. So we didn't really change anything up when we went on that lull there. No, I would just add that. I think it's easy for a power five school to make that adjustment. I don't know if a lot of uh, those mid-major, low-major teams are going to be able to run a smaller lineup against us and have that amount of success, but that's all I would add. Yeah, um, you're absolutely right there. It's it's kind of uh, difficult for that. And, you know, I think a lot of, you know, playing more athletic schools and better coach schools like Asheville and Indiana, you know, any kind of fast break opportunities we get, it's tougher to finish. I mean, you're seeing Cottle and Burden, you know, getting blocked at the rim from time to time, which potentially is two points and a momentum changer. Um, so, you know, next year's team, it will have a different look. I mean, we've got so many big guards coming in. Um, so, you know, I'm just excited to, uh, you know, see what's next, you know, without, you know, without Robinson, we kind of mentioned what next year could look like. Um, I did want to mention the, uh, you know, the foul discrepancy. Um, I don't think there was anything egregious from the refs. It's just, you know, they played more inside. They played a little bit more physical inside and they got the calls. Um, would you guys agree with that? 
Yes and yes and no. I think the way they played for sure, but also like we we didn't have the most discipline defensively. Um, we it seemed like the second half, especially, there was no more than two possessions in a row without Indiana shooting free throws, uh, which which slows down our offense as well. Like that's that's going to contribute to us, you know, going scoreless for four or five minutes at a time. Um, we've got to be better. We've got to be stronger in our defensive stance. We've got to be stronger, you know, guarding drives. Um, even on Jason's fifth foul, right? Coach trusts him, puts him back in. He makes a quick three and then he fouls out, like reaching, trying to do a chase down block after he got beat. Like little things like that to Nick's point earlier, like he's going to learn that as he plays, you know, four or five, six more games. Like he's going to understand he won't make that error again. But defensively, we've got to be more disciplined. We, we got out, we got, they shot 25 more free throws than us, which, yeah, attributes to how we play offensively versus them. them but like, we we foul a lot. We've got to get that under control. And, you know, on that fouling topic, um, you know, do we, Aaron, do you think we need to mix up our uh, our defense a little bit more? You know, watching women's basketball coach Octavia Blue, you know, she's a little bit more diverse in her defense. Amir Abdul-Rahim mixed up his defenses, you know, with some zones and all that kind of stuff. We're primarily, you know, a man-to-man type team. And, you know, that also leads to probably some aspect of more fouls also more possessions on defense more fouls on defense right so you know is do you do you think we need to be a little bit more diverse there just to give not only to stay out of foul trouble but you know give our guys perhaps a breather um defensively and just give opponents different looks um that's a tough well because we we have jason quincy uh jamel king like they are great defenders or they can be you know, and, and you want to trust that and you want to use them as assets out there being long, lengthy, um, tall defenders. So I think it's just a mixture of like, we're going to have to, we want to be more disciplined, but we, as a team, like we like to, to move and, and make plays and based on the feel of the game and offensively and defensively. Similarly, um, we, we've just got to kind of be more disciplined on the individual side of the ball. Um, and and stay in front of our guys. It's, it's a hard question to answer. I don't think we need to change too much up. It's just, you know, we got to bet on our guys. But you can still, you know, in a sun play especially, you can still cause some chaos by in the in like a zone from time to time just by having a guy, you know, like we used Stroud last year. You're so long athlete like Holt and even King, just put him at the head of the zone and you know, kind of let him go to work to switch things up. Um, you know, do you think that this lack of different looks is Petway's, you know, I'm a man to man guy, or is it a growing pain? Because, Hey, I want to install, you know, get this man to man down first before we kind of mix it up or it, what, what, what's your take there? Yeah, I think him being a first year head coach that, that could play a little bit into it. Um, I mean, he, he's made some great calls all season long. And I think, I think there may be some room for growth and, and switching things up defensively. It's just, it's tough because like, I, I always err on the side of like trust what the coach is doing because we're not there in the practices and things like that. And I, I know you're not saying that John, like we're not trusting coach Petway. I know that's not your point, but like, I know they've worked on zone in practice and they've worked on throwing Jamel on the top of a one, three, one or whatever the case may be. And there may just be situations that it doesn't play out the way we think it would as fans watching it. Um, cause they're, they're working on this stuff in, in practice, no doubt about it. There may just not be as comfortable, maybe especially in a setting against Indiana or UNC Asheville, 
or maybe we're saving some stuff for conference play. Like I was just, just about trying to say to that. Stuff out. That was my yeah. next question. Literally out of my mouth was going to say, do you think we're saving this for conference play? And, you know, like football teams kind of hold back, you know, certain plays or certain looks or, you know, set people up. I mean, is there, you know, is that a thing in your career that you've done, Aaron, just kind of hold stuff back in games for future opponents? <laughs> I don't think I'm the right guy to ask. Cause we, oh yeah. We don't, we, yeah. We I never mind. Just trying to find a way to win any game. Uh, we didn't win too many games to even save anything for conference play. So, uh, but it, it could be, um, I what about think professionally every, in Sweden. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That's a better, that's a better angle at it. Um, not necessarily changing things for conference play, but definitely changing things depending on what you've seen from opponents in the past. So we're going to play these conference guys twice a year coming up starting starting against queens um and we're going to make adjustments from one game to another so that's going to be one thing i'm excited to see as we play these guys a second time around how are we defending differently and attacking on defensive the defensive side of the ball um different than we did in the first game because i mean it's a battle head coach to head coach like how are we going to make adjustments and 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 uh, and go on that way so it's going to be interesting with conference play but we will see, see some adjustments for sure yeah, and our first test in that was UNC Asheville, and uh, we got an F minus on that one. And you know, again, uh, chalk it up to a tournament team, and uh, you know, a slow start as opposed to you know any kind of you know strategical things like that. So I don't think that really played into you know account uh, there. So you can throw that one out of the books. But yeah, I want to see how we do uh, you know in those home and home uh, matchups. Um, so moving on to the next question, the possible loss of Demond Robinson, we don't want to speculate or anything like that. We don't know how serious it is. Uh, when it happened, the announcers thought it was cramps. Um, I thought it was possibly a cramp, but I got a little worried when I saw Mike Young, you know, kind of stretching the foot, that kind of thing. Um, and, and he still got up and still limped off as opposed to just like, oh, it cramped up and now I'm walking off. So I was a little bit worried there. Um, but then when he didn't come out in the second half, uh, was very worried. So, you know, we talked on about this, you know, a couple of minutes ago, but what is the, you know, what is the plan B here? Is it, uh, I guess, Ranji Gordon and Cole LaRue? Is it Ranji Gordon at center and Armani Harris? Cause this is like our deepest, um, you know, our deepest fears perhaps realized. And again, this could all be for nothing. Robinson could be fine and uh, could play against Queens for all we know. But, you know, this is something that we discussed previously um, and especially with facing this inevitable loss uh, next season. Yeah, it, it very well, it still could be cramps and coach Petway may have taken the, taken it and said, look, we're not, we're not worried about our, excuse me, Indiana as much as we are about Queens and, and the A sun coming up. We're not going to risk anything. It very well could have been that. Um, but as far as going forward with with how we're going to play, we're going to have to rely a lot on these on our wing guys. Um, Ronji Gordon, he held his own down there. I think we know what we're going to get from him. He's not going to give us 15 and, and 10 on a nightly basis like Demon can. Um, but but we're going to see some more Cole LaRue. We're going to see a lot more Ronji Gordon. And we're probably going to see like I wouldn't be surprised to see Jamel Quincy and Jason out there all together like it and play a, a big wing lineup, like something along those lines where we're going to just, you know, focus on what we have and we have those slashing uh, big wing players and take advantage of that way. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes out, how it plays out. I agree. And I think that, um, you know, we need, if, if for some reason Robinson is out, we need to just fill that 40 minutes at center with LaRue, Harris and Gordon. And like you said, you know, 
uh, we can, you know, we should be able to against most teams just fill, you know, four guards or, you know, or four wings, so to speak. And, uh, you know, with Holt King and uh, Adam McCoya and all that, they just have to, you know, do a good job of uh, rebounding and everybody helps out a little bit. So, um, yeah, but uh, other than that, you know, um, how are we all feeling in uh, conference play? Um, you know, I guess we'll start with Aaron. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited for conference play. I think we've proved enough in the non-conference, especially playing uh, similar mid-majors and low-majors, that that we are uh, very competitive to say the least. Um, we we had we have had some growing pains, you know, in some of our losses, but I think we've taken some positives away from every game we've played, even the ones that we've we've lost by double digits. Um, we we have a solid team, and and you keep seeing all these early, you know you know, um, bracketology reports coming out and it's, and it's Kennesaw state. There's some Lipscombs in there out of the a sun. Um, I'm really excited to see how we, how we match up with our conference opponents. Cause we have a good team. We have good players. We have a team that believes in the coach and vice versa. Like you don't need many other pieces than that. So, um, I'm really excited to, to see how this plays out. Cause we, we are a good team. Yeah, and I, I do want to see us really contribute um, and make a stand in our last year in the A-Sun. You know, as somebody who's followed this program uh, for a long time, the A-Sun is all I've ever known. So there is a soft spot in my heart. I'm excited to move up to Conference USA. But, you know, just those the teams, you know, the teams that Stetson's, the Lipscomb's, Jacksonville's, North Florida's, the teams um, that I've seen since the beginning, since of my of my Kennesaw State fandom, it's going to be kind of, you know, sad to see it go. On the other hand, FDA Sun, but, you know, it's still uh, going to be, uh, you know, hard to, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a change and I'm, I'm ready to make that change. Um, but Nick, um, how are you feeling going into conference? I mean, I feel good. If you look at it this way, it's the, uh, the, the North Florida farewell tour when we're <laughs> finishing up our A-Sun play because the only school that we're going to play from Florida on a consistent basis going forward is FIU, if I'm correct, and in CUSA, right? Yep, North Florida and Jacksonville, both are in Jacksonville. So Yeah, uh, exactly. I mean, that's that's a net positive for the program um, that we don't have to keep sending our kids to Jacksonville. Um, you know, got, <laughs> we, want, we want to keep our players safe. We're all about safety here at uh, Kennesaw State. The things that I'm really looking forward to most about conference play are seeing TB really hone in on his ability to dish the ball because these conference opponents now know that, Hey, we need to guard this guy. He's going to drive the paint consistently. And now that we have shooters out on these wings, I I'm curious to see how they're going to defend it. Are they going to play back and let Terrell take his shots up the middle? Or are they going to have like, where, where are they going to find that sweet spot defensively against our, uh, against our team? And I think that's really what I'm looking forward to most is, is seeing how other teams match up with us defensively. Yeah. Teams are not going to be able to, um, you know, go on burden um, and, you know, they don't have most of the eight teams in the ASUN probably don't have that shot blocking big. Some do um, that can control the paint, but some of the uh, lesser teams are going to have a hell of a time with us, um, you know, trying to keep up defensively. Um, and I'm also excited to see, you know, if the other teams in the ASUN can keep up with us in our, in our track meet style uh, as well. So we'll see how, uh, how much conditioning they have going for them. Um, Tim, uh, how are you feeling going into conference um, and, you know, any uh, hot takes on the, on the gambling market? <laughs> no hot takes in the gaming market currently, but 
Um, to be honest, I'm ready just to get this farewell farewell tour over. In the A Sun. I'm tired of the A Sun. Tired of the small stadiums. The what? Um, Jacksonville's 400 person basketball arena. Like, I mean, can't really say much with Kennesaw's Complication Center, but you know, let's let's go in. I think. I mean, the games I have circled is FGCU, Bellarmine, Eastern Kentucky, and Lipscomb. I mean, those are gonna be awesome games. But like the Queens, the Stetsons. I mean, the North Alabamas. Like, come on, let's let's get to a little bit. Let's get back to the Liberties and the Middle Tennessees and all that stuff. A little bit more of a rigorous competition. So more respectable, more nationally known type uh, brands. Like just even, you know, not knowing anything about, you know, the league or anything like that, just, you know, seeing a, like a UTEP or a, you know, a New Mexico state, or, you know, it just has more name value than a North Florida or Stetson. Um, You know, it just speaks like, oh man, this school is just a little bit bigger. Uh, But yeah, uh, Queens did give us fits last year's producer, Nick said, and I'm sure they want some revenge. The level of athleticism, I think, on this year's team is, you know, above uh, last year's team. Um, you know, both I should say the length, at least, were, were quite a bit longer. Um, you know, you replace Stroud for uh, Holt, and then you have King. Adam Okoya, uh, who was there last year, but he's going to play a more primary role, um, who's a very good athlete. So, I, you know, it, it's totally different styles of play, and for maybe Queens could keep up with us last year. Doesn't mean they can keep up with us this year. All things equal. Watch us, watch Queens give us fits and we have a tough conference. And then you can at me on Twitter and I'll, I'll go back and forth with you. Yeah. I'll take the heat. All right. That will uh, do it for the owl chat podcast. Uh, We will have a midweek edition where we'll go into a uh, more detailed uh, preview of Queens. And there's also a good chance we'll have a special guest on there to discuss some basketball. So you'll want to uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, Be sure to check us out at Owl Chat Podcast on uh, Twitter slash uh, X. Give us some follows. It does help us. It helps boost boost everything. So uh, give us some love on social media. Hope you guys have a great new year, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Owl Chat Podcast. As a reminder, you can follow our hosts on Twitter X at Kai Millette and at KSU Owl Howl. Make sure you're following our show account at Owl Chat Podcast and have notifications turned on so you're up to date on all new OCP episodes. Be sure to check out Kai's publication at BigOwlBlog.com and John's KSU message boards at KSUOwlHowl.com slash forum. Until we return, stay happy, stay healthy, and as always, Go Owls!